This is Andercast, inspiring business stories from the UCLA community without the tuition costs. All right, welcome to Andercast. I'm your host, Mike Chester, and I am extremely excited about not only the guests we have today, but also where we're recording from today. Uh, he is Chef Johnny Zone, the founder and owner of Howlin' Rays. For those of you who don't know about Howlin' Rays, first of all, I suggest you make your way down to Chinatown and find out. But Howlin' Rays is the destination for Nashville hot fried chicken in Los Angeles. I'm a huge fan myself and have regularly braved lines of two or three hours to get my fix. Chef Johnny cut his teeth in the fine dining scene for 12 years before opening up the Howlin' Rays food truck in 2015. After a successful two-year run, he ditched the truck and opened the brick-and-mortar location in Chinatown. Thanks so much for joining us, Chef. Thanks for having me. So how'd you get into cooking? Uh, long story. I'll try and keep it, keep it short. I was in uh, New Mexico at the age of like 16 on a trip with one of my best friends at the time, and his stepfather made a burger. Uh, and this burger, everything was sourced locally. I didn't know at the time, but he got like local bread, local peppers, and it wasn't actually beef. It was like some weird, like bison or something like that. And uh, he cooked it over a, f- a fire. You know, there was no electricity in the house we were staying at because he was an architect building it. And I had this burger and I was like, like, wow, I, I want to be able to create, you know, this type of food. I didn't understand at the time what was so good about it, why, why it was so good. But that burger really just flipped, flipped my switch where I was like, you know, I want to be able to do that at 2 a.m., at 4 a.m., at 12 o'clock. I want to do it for, you know, a potential woman to call my wife or whatever, sure. for my friends. I want to be able to cook like that. And um, so up until that point, I was, I was really into basketball and I, I, I got a scholarship uh, to play basketball um, at a college. But I, I turned that down to start pursuing being a chef. Um, and that that's pretty much how you know it, it went from there so it's been since the age of like 16 haven't really looked back that that decision has been the same decision that i've been able to maintain you know as a human being or whatever where it's like i want to be a chef and i want to be a, a really good chef and business owner and, and that's what i'm still doing to this day uh, what 16 years later or so that's interesting that uh, you found the inspiration in a burger and you, you're talking about wanting to serve food at 2 a.m 4 a.m but you ended up going into fine dining. Um, talk about that for me for a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, you know, food and cooking and, and, and how, to, how to create that quote unquote burger, you know, there's so many more elements to it than just, you know, like ingredients, you know, there's execution, there's sourcing, there's uh, how you treat it, what you do to it, what applications, the science behind it, you know, the temperatures on, on how it's served, when is it served, all these different factors involved. So I wanted to do a deep dive on, on cooking. And, and you know, I, I chose to seek out like the mentors that inspired me in the sense of like, these guys are crushing it, you know? So like Thomas Keller, Gordon Ramsay, Nobu Matsuhisa, you know, this guy Hans Wagner, you know, th- th- these are all sources of inspiration for me. And so what I did was, you know, just Fine dining was where it was at in terms of that was where you had some of the best executed food at the time, you know, when I was kind of coming up as a chef. 
So talk to me about the move from fine dining to the food truck. I have to imagine you've worked your way up at these fine dining places, probably doing pretty well there. Um, talk to me about that that transition to the food truck. Yeah, that was, I mean, the some of the darkest days of my life were, were running that food truck. I mean, people don't realize how, like I was in, I was literally the guy serving, you know, cooking and then serving the food on, on expo. So outside the expo, the out section of the food truck, the in section was like usually my wife. It was so difficult because I had to figure out so many different ways, like how to make it work where the integrity of the, the chicken stood up, you know, and, and, and was at the quality that I wanted. So it was this, it was this big internal struggle for me, um, on like, how are we going to do this? And also knowing that it could be so much better, um, but kind of settling for, for that truck, you know, but it was a great platform for me to test out something and see if the, the market in terms of Los Angeles, how that would respond to a dish that it never was served before. So, all right. So let's talk about that initial decision. Um, I've heard that you, you took out a loan on your wife's car to start the restaurant. Um, I think you also had some potential outside investors, but decided to do it all on your own. Can you talk about that a little bit? For sure. So we, with the truck, you know, we did have a, since we've opened this concept, we, we've had a plethora of um, investors approach us and they all, you know, want to want a big piece of the business and, you know, want to, put money up and open up thousands of these or, or 20 of these or whatever. And uh, I had a conversation with Jack Dorsey, who uh, owns Twitter and Square. He uh, invited us out to San Francisco to tour his facility. And I'll be at the, it was a minute conversation. So it's like not, I, I'm saying it like we were like chilling and stuff. <laughs> he was literally like one minute. And he said, I was talking to him about what are your thoughts on expansion and growth and things like that. And he said to me, if the question, you know, like with, with answering the question of should I expand here or, or do this here or whatever, doesn't go back to the original um, operational like, like guide of why you opened this restaurant. Why did you open this? You know, if it doesn't fall along those lines and answer that question of, of why you initially opened up this business, then don't do it. You know what I mean? And that stuck with me, you know, really, really strong because why did I open this? I did not open this to make millions of dollars. I did not open this to open up 20, 30 of these. I did not open this to be the next KFC. I'm not, you know, I had a really high paying executive chef job, you know, fortunately when I was 20, 25 or whatever, 26. And it, it didn't satisfy me and it didn't make me happy. And, you know, so with, with a lot of those investors, it didn't fall along those lines of why I initially started this restaurant. So I would be changing, you know, like my, my, my goal, uh, the restaurant's goal and its job as, as a business from what I first started at midway, you know, and I, I felt like that, that wouldn't do it justice. So we didn't take any of these major capital, you know, offers and stuff. And we probably wouldn't be having this conversation if I did. You know, and the lines wouldn't be like that if I did, because you would have to follow more of a guideline and structure to things. They would say, you're crazy for opening 11 to four, you know, five days a week. And there's a two hour line. That's insane. And where's your street signage? You, you can't even see it from the street. And why Chinatown? It's a ghost town. You know what I mean? When, like it's empty. You know, they were like, why would you do it here? You know, also why in this old, old building with, with no gas meter or whatever you want to call it. So... Part of it, you know, became this thing of, of, of Helen Ray's kind of like 
is is shaping its own rules and shaping its own culture and shaping its own identity and and kind of telling us what it needs, you know, as opposed to having other people control the boat and steer the boat. Um, so with the with the food truck, what I did with the food truck, I always had good credit. Um, I had a 780 at the time. I've always been really into establishing my credit from an early age. And when my father passed away, I, I I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Life is short. And uh, so I, I maxed out $65,000 worth of credit cards, right? I had all that credit, you know, which was really cool. And I, I, I maxed it all out to pay for a food truck, right? To pay for just the, the wrap on it, to get some opening inventory, you know, all this stuff. And I only leased it for six months. Normally you have to lease it for 12. I negotiated, I took uh, six months from that. I told them, look, I can only afford this. You know, if I open a food truck here to that, this is what I was saying to the, the food truck company, other food trucks are gonna wanna come because I, I, I believe so much in this. I'm a fine dining chef, blah, blah, blah. I had to fight for it even then. And so, uh, open the food truck. It didn't really make that much money. You know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, the most profitable. If you think about three miles a gallon driving from San Fernando Valley to Venice, you know, and it's three miles a gallon. You know, that's like that adds up. You know, it's like hundred dollar, two hundred dollar a day, depending on how many stops you have, just in gas. You know, we had one employee at the time, and credit cards were were, were supporting the whole thing. So when I say it was my darkest days, I didn't know the future. I, I was in debt. This all this, and I, I all I had was a food truck that wasn't even mine. You know. And then going into the restaurant, you know, the bills still weren't paid. The debt still wasn't paid. You know, I needed I, a landlord that understood my worth, you know, which George Yu, you know, uh, really uh, valued us coming into this plaza. Uh, he he kind of operates this plaza and he's been around uh, Chinatown for, I think, most of his life. You know, he's, he's just really supportive of a man and myself. He offered to help with the build out, you know, and uh, in typical leases, you would call that uh TI, you know, tenant improvements. There's a TI allowance for uh, the tenants. You know, you can, the, the landlord will say, okay, you can come in and I'll, I'll give you $100,000 or whatever and I'll build out this. At the time, the restaurant was only 500 square feet, so it's not like we needed a lot of construction. This office is 500 square feet to give you an idea. That's how the, the transition went from, from, you know, now it's like three times the size, but from a food truck to this space, you know, this amount of body. And so he helped build it and then we needed to take a super small minority investor with actually a customer from uh, the food truck. He's been supporting us for a long time. And um, so we took on a super small, I think it was maybe like 50,000 or something like that um, investment for minimal dilution because the most important thing to us uh, was retaining, you know, that ownership, you know, and not offering like board seats and all that stuff. And even then, even with the super small dilution of it, there's still problems and I can't imagine how other restaurants are struggling when they have to come up with 700,000 to open a restaurant and the chef owner gets 5%, 10%, 15%. How difficult that might be because realistically all the other party is really supplying is, is, is the capital for it. You know what I mean? They're not, they may not necessarily have the restaurant expertise or, or things that make that, that restaurant, you know, beautiful and exciting and, and cultured and, and all that. And they might be the ones telling you what to do. So that was one of the most important things in terms of, you know, uh, the dilution and uh, raising the capital that, that I did for this one was to retain that, that ownership. And since then, you know, people have kind of caught on. And I think they think like, oh, he's this young kid. 
I'm going to go in and, you know, like talk to him and try and like, you know, schmooze him. Let's open in Dubai, blah, blah, blah. And we're still sticking to, you know, our orig- original motivating factors and goals and aspirations within the company of what we, why we started this. Why did you start it? I want to introduce the city of Los Angeles, Nashville Hot Chicken. And since then, now you have like seven, eight, nine different variations of, of people from all different backgrounds serving it and as long as you know they're 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 paying homage to where it came from and and showing respect to you know the the families and 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 serving it with the utmost integrity you know like i'm cool with that it's not competition you know everybody's different you know it's so hard to recreate this you know what's what's in there that energy that vibe that those employees those stories you know that's that's how i kind of see it it's kind of like the background on, on on the funding and everything like that Interesting. You hit on a, a lot of topics that I, I wanted to get into um, since you brought up the culture. I think that's the thing that's always stood out to me whenever I come here is it? it seems like you guys are having a party in there, even though there's a, a three hour line of people waiting. How do you go about creating that culture? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you take a basic premise of like, you can give somebody their money back, but you can't give them their time back. That's a big, uh, that's a big expectation that you have as an employee and uh, as a server, as a chef, you know, you, you you can give someone here's ten dollars back for your sandwich or whatever. You can't say, "Hey, oh my bad, here's two hours back because I messed that up." You know, you can't do that. So the the standards and the expectations, we're we're fully aware. You know, and they, and they have to be. We have to deliver in terms of the hospitality. Um, a lot of people are coming for different reasons. Some people are coming just for the sandwich and they want to eat outside, chill with their friends, whatever. Some people are coming, you know, waiting in line and getting paid to do it by somebody or whatever, you know. Some people are coming because they want to see Mario. They want to see, you know, Julian. They want to see Chata, whoever, you know, and say, what's up? Um, or part of, some of them are coming there. As soon as they walk in the door, they're just holding their phones up. You know, they're doing it for the gram or whatever you want to say. You know, I was there or whatever, you know, and that's great. And everyone has different reasons and stuff. And sometimes, you know, when we're serving people, what I like to kind of touch on with, with some of the employees and, and mostly like the chef de cuisine and the sous chef is like, you know, being able to understand what these people are coming here for and then delivering it. You know, like if, if they're looking for like, you know, the highest quality of chicken, you know, really giving them that, but also say they're a foodie or whatever and they really want to, you know, experience food. Showing them something they haven't seen before. Okay, here's some collard greens, and here's how in the South they dress it with a type of vinegar uh, and and hot sauce. You know, and they're like, "Well, I've never seen that before," or whatever. And then you give them that. Some people come in, they're just holding their phones up, and they really want that shout out. So the guys will be like, "Hey guys, we got you know a little," and then they ah, they're yelling, you know. Um, but also part of it too is when you have an owner who like wanted to introduce it with the with the utmost integrity. I mean, there's a reason why we. We play hip hop and, and, and all that in, in, in the ambiance in the sense of like, I think it's just so cool, you know, on a Thursday at, at 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. or whatever, Biggie's blasting, the walls are shaking, you know, you have these chefs behind a line preparing and cooking food, it smells like fried chicken, on the weekends it smells like waffles, and people are giving you an extra sandwich, you know, even though in the books they tell you operate with 20% food costs. You know, I'm like, screw that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do 35 or 36 or 40 and give away like extra food. You know what I mean? And because it's about making making those people's days and stuff and giving them what they what they're expecting, you know. And you definitely feel that while you're here and even just spending a little bit of time with Mario before we met with you. He mentioned that this is a family here. How do you go about hiring people into that family? Like, what are you looking for? How do you know that they're not going to disrupt that vibe that you've created? Yeah. So, I mean... A lot of the hiring process is through recommendation and most most honestly like our customers, right? 
So like they come in, they see it and they're like, wow, this is truly something I want to be a part of or whatever. So we're honored with the fact and lucky that we have, we have people approaching us who understand our identity and what we're doing as opposed to having to go out and look for that. I feel like a lot of restaurants, you, you have your services, your Craigslist, your job apps, you know, things like your LinkedIn or whatever, all those different things where, you know, people are looking for jobs and, and uh, jobs are looking for people. And we're lucky because it kind of comes to us, you know, so we get to kind of pick and choose and, and see who's a good fit. But we're not looking, We, I actually don't like to hire people with college degrees in terms of uh, CIA, like chefs and stuff like that. I uh, really see a difference in people who value education uh, and us being able to teach it as opposed to them knowing like they think they know. So basically, if, if I feel like I can teach this person and they're willing to learn, I'll, I'll, I'll give them an opportunity, you know? But if this person comes in thinking like they have, you know, five years of restaurant experience and a degree under their belt and they, they want to change the system or, you know, disrupt how other employees are acting, that's not a good fit for us. They can use their degree and their experience to open a restaurant or something like that if they're ready for that at that time. But I feel like with ego and and schooling and stuff there's i've seen a a lot of ego involved with um you know chefs who feel like they know it all and they they they, they you know uh they have the experience and there's nothing they can learn kind of thing and what we're looking for is we're looking for students i'm a student myself i've been a chef for 13 years no degree nothing and i'm still learning i'm learning a lot these podcasts why i like to do these is because i learn a lot you know like like i i from the questions that are asked or whatever I love it. It's, it's, it's an education. I'm a student. I'll forever be a student. As a chef, you know, being humble, getting your hands in the dirt, that's a big part of, for me, being a chef is being humble. Meeting with the grandmas, meeting with the tradition and the family, you know. I was in Nashville researching fried chicken, right? And researching Nashville chicken specifically. In Nashville, there's a humongous church that's located in the mountains. And it's called Mount Zion. Part of my research was going to that church on Easter Sunday and sitting in the church for four or five hours, you know? That was part of understanding and being a student of this dish and where it originated, you know what I mean? And understanding the culture behind it. And that's why I feel like, you know, in terms of us representing Nashville, as you said, like, oh, if you want Nashville hot chicken in LA, you know, th that's that's why I feel like we're becoming this kind of like institution where people can rely and, and depend on us for that authenticity. Um, I mean, I fly the staff out there, you know, how, how dope would it be as a chef, no degree, you're in this restaurant, you're learning, you're growing, you're getting paid well, and you get an opportunity to fly out to Nashville, Tennessee, and go meet, meet the families behind it. Meet where it came from, touch the soil, smell the air, you know what I mean? Like, smell the grass. That's what, that's what being a student is, you know what I mean? Like, what you guys are doing is great, you know, you got textbooks all day, you'd be in the classroom all day and learn, learn, learn a lot, but to go out and, and see you know, like business owners that are doing things maybe their way, you know, like if you, if you look at it by the book with, with financial, uh, paying employees, whatever, all this stuff, uh, taking in people that maybe have a felony on their record and, you know, like, like crazy things like that, I would be, uh, I'd be in trouble, but there's a lot of business moves, you know, that, that are being made that are like, going against those rules and and that's what what excites me too you know uh is that that i'm learning uh, still as i keep going and stuff but being humble and being a student even if you're unwelcomed in certain situations there's been plenty of times where they're like this dude's cooking chicken 
you know like what does he know about chicken you know and I just stay humble in that and I just grind and work hard and, and, and put my head down and that's 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 why I'm at where I'm at here with no degree with no no studying of business stuff or, or yeah of course I set, how do you set up LLC how do you manage you know uh, board meetings how do you uh, uh, minimize uh, dilution how do you um, Valuate your company to the highest valuation uh, and, and make it make sense to outside investors. How do you s negotiate real estate? How do you get those guys to pay for it so you don't have to pay for it? How do you build your credit? How do you get a lease on a food truck that they don't lease six months? You know, how do you do all these things? And it's like, you know, that 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 humility is how how I got to where I'm at now. And I, I even still like you can I can be baited with oh you have a hour two hour line in your restaurant you're so dope and your food's great and your ambiance is great but it's like i still go to bit how can i get better how can i how can i improve it you know how to alleviate the lines and how do i like you know make it better for everybody whether it's the the customers or the employees and 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 the restaurant itself because it's its own entity and that's that's something that jack dorsey really taught me is like it's its own person it's got its own motivations and desires and goals you gotta listen to it and not allow other people with millions of dollars to tell you how they don't know it you know, they didn't create it, you know, so albeit it's good to get money, get money and funds and stuff, but know what you're signing, you know, know what you're getting into, know your rights, know their rights, you know, if they have a right to a board seat and stuff like that, they could change your pay. And how messed up would it be if I had someone changing my pay and it's like I, I'm here so many hours fixing waffle machines right behind you, look, look at that, you know, so it's like that those are little things that you want to really be smart about you know and I meet with a lot of these millionaire billionaire guys and it's so funny because when I do these parties like I did a party for Elon Musk uh, at a at his tunnel digging in Hawthorne and you know nothing against uh, him the people at the party were like they're obviously wealthy people you know influencers and stuff like that but I was offering sandwiches and people were taking the sandwich and putting it in their purse right like like and, and taking it home and stuff like that. And it was supposed to be for the party and stuff like that, not really to go food. And I was told to prepare 300 and I brought 600 because it was for Elon Musk and I didn't want to F it up, you know, like yeah. I wanted to do a good job. And I went through all 600. So people were, people were like doubling down and taking stuff to go and stuff like that. And when I do these other like, like events, like I guess you could say middle-class events that are like more ticketed events. And it's like people that aren't as wealthy as that client base. There, there, there's there's a certain amount of class. Yeah, that all uh, kind of falls in line with your mentality around hiring and the, the culture and the brand you've tried to create. Like, I think that all makes sense why you would feel turned off by that. Yeah, I mean, humility, you know, it's being close to the dirt as a chef, that's a, that's a big thing for me. You know, where does your where do your vegetables come from? Where do you, Where's your chicken come from? And that, that's something, like, I wish I was told as a chef as one of the first things that I should do is is really go see where your ingredients are coming from um, and the processes involved in it. So what's next? You've expanded from the food truck to the brick and mortar. Uh, you've expanded your hours, your days, the size of the kitchen. Um, you mentioned earlier on maybe a second location. Talk, talk to me about that. How do you go about making that decision? Right now, in terms of the next steps, we're, lo we're looking at our second location. As long as you know standards and consistency stays there, um, this one we might end up dropping down, you know, like to five days of service and then opening uh, the other location with five days of service as well. That way it's a lot easier to staff because when you staff a sixth day, you're, you, you have to, you can't just have those, those guys working five days 
and then two days off, you have to have a whole new set of guys because you have six days of, of service, you know? So we might start with that and make it an easier transition. But ultimately, you know, the business is going to, the business and the customers, they're, they're, they're really going to tell us, you know, like that's, that's, that's who we're listening to. We're not listening to, you know, the investors or, or um, people wanting to open up all over the world in Dubai and all this stuff. You know, it, it's, it's really going to be on the business and it's, it's hard to say, but I have a really good feeling about this second location. If I can open up another restaurant this year, you know, and, and improve the quality, you'll see it, you know? But if, if the quality gets sacrificed at any point during that transitional period, like right now, I'm, I have a location picked out and I'm negotiating with the landlord, we could easily pull the trigger. But if I sense, if I have any bad feelings, I got to protect this, this business, you know, uh, for what it stands for and, and, and all that. So it's hard to really say, you know, yeah. the next steps because it's an evolving beast and animal. Uh, we have a online experience uh, for, for the pre-orders. To give you an idea, we, we started with 300 people a day. Now we're serving 1,000-ish people a day. And then this pre-order system will add another 200, 300 people a day just from this original location right here. So we have that and then we have um, an online, that's gonna tie in with our online merch and stuff like that. We have a lot of merch, but with the limited uh, this is not all of it, that's just a few, but we have a lot of different merch pieces that are coming out and uh, merchandise has been an interesting, like like you see that skateboard up there, we like sold out of that real quick, you know, uh, at, at ComplexCon we did an event uh, in collaboration with a, a brand called Chinatown Market and we sold probably like 600, 700 shirts in a day, you know, and that's insane. So people want to represent it, you know, and, and, and there's a market for that. Um, I, I think CP, CPG, Consumer Place Goods. So Whole Foods just reach out, you know, in terms of like offering our spices, things yeah. like that. Um, so, so those are all definitely, you know, like in the works and have been in the works. Um, and we're, we just keep pushing forward and, and using uh, the integrity of what we're doing as our guide, you know. How do you resist the temptation to just sign one of these deals you're offered? You mentioned uh, you, you're super into your finances early on, like always managing your credit rating. Um, you mentioned that you're not a millionaire right now, but I can imagine that there's been some offers that would have made you a millionaire very quickly. Like, how do you resist that temptation when it's right there? Like, I think I'd like to believe that I would have the same integrity as you and be like, no, this doesn't fit with the brand. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah. I mean, it's two things. It's, it's that original, why did I do this? You know? So one, when, when something's super important to you, and you know what's going to happen. There's no no dollar amount that could come. It's a, it's about identifying what makes you happy, right? So I know what makes me happy. What makes me happy is I have a tattoo that's hard work right here. I like to work hard. I like to develop staff. I like to share knowledge. I like to learn. I like to grow. Um, I like to work on the line. I like to talk to people. I like you know I'm starting to learn a lot about like the the development of staff I'm, I get so much joy from that seeing these guys grow and learn and and and, and really come out of their shells you know like the, the the pride and joy I have of like taking a guy who was in prison seven years and then you know he's like out there running a restaurant that's it, yeah it's it's hella difficult really really hard but it gives me so much joy you know to see guys who first start here and they they they're they're this fragile person and then seeing them gain strength and and grow and, and, and become like, you know, dependable, reliable, consistent employees. That There's a lot of joy to that, you know? Having, you know, millions of dollars in the bank or investments and all that stuff, the amount of joy I would get from that versus the amount of joy that I'm getting from this, you know, is like, and maybe that you could say that's selfish, but 
it's it's something that I don't know like money never really does it for me in that in that sense but also at the same time I care about the restaurant so much and I've worked so hard for those first year and a half you know, I served every single customer like I had that little cubicle right there standing right there serving every single customer when you work for something so hard there's no real value it's, it's hard to put a value on that because it's your blood sweat and tears it's it's I, I risk my relationship to, to do this like you said the fiat thing that's a shout out to online loan sources if you can get an unsecured loan oftentimes <laughs> interest rates are a little bit higher but unsecured means they don't know where it's going so it could technically I had a, a drop-down menu and you could choose what it's for and I found the lowest interest one and it was for car refinance and that was like, I don't know, 7% or something like that. And it was unsecured. So boom, 17,000 comes into my bank account. I was like, let's do it. You know, so not only did I have to pay off the 17 for her car, but also the 17 for that loan. You see how risky that is, you That's know, like, move. yeah. And so that, that was that, but it was, it was great. Cause you know, going back to something I earlier say, you're taking it, you're, you're, you're taking your, 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 your life in your control. You know what I mean? Like I took that loan from that company and they didn't know what it was for. And if I would have told them what it was for, they would have said no, you know, but I took it out there, you know? And then if you look at finances and buy the book finances, why would you risk so much with such a low reward for a small food truck? And then when it closes and I have a restaurant deal fall through because the landlord, it wasn't really following along the lines of the initial conversation of what, what initially was, was going to happen. And then I was left with nothing. I was $80,000 in debt. When I opened this restaurant, $8,000 debt, not knowing any what's going to happen or anything. That's scary, man, you know? And so when you go through that, why would you just give it to someone and be that easy trick? You know what I mean? Here you go. Sure. Why would why, you go through that experience and, and you're kind of scarred to a certain degree where you care about it so much, even oftentimes too much. Sometimes I need to step away and not work on the line because it's, it's prohibiting, inhibiting these guys from growing, you know? And you go through that, why wouldn't you sell it for a million dollars, two million dollars, you know what I mean? Three million dollars, whatever. So what piece of advice would you give uh, someone who's at their job right now, they don't really love it, uh, they got this business idea, what, uh, what type of advice would you give that person? If you have an idea and, and do it, what's the worst that will happen? You fail? Okay. Failures are actually, you know, lessons. I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if I didn't have all those failures that I had, so. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. This has been awesome. Uh, thanks so much for your time, your candor, the stories, everything. Um, everybody who's listening, make your way down to Chinatown. Check out Howlin' Ray's. The food is unbelievable. I uh, will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests, shoot us an email at andercastla at gmail.com.